When you think of lung cancer, people who smoke are probably the first thing that come to mind. But in the United States, about 10 to 20% of all lung cancers happen in people who have never smoked a day in their life or smoke fewer than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime. With that in mind, we have a very special guest today to share her story, welcoming Julie to the podcast. Hi, Julie. Hi. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, you have a very impactful story to share. Um, I do. You are one of these lung cancer patients. You never smoked ever. Never. So tell me a little bit about your experience. What What were you experiencing as far as symptoms goes? What led you to the doctor? What did you find out? Okay. Um... You know, it started with actually a cough that wouldn't go away. And I've read that with so many other lung cancer patients, especially those diagnosed that um, have never smoked before. And that's the one big symptom is a cough that would never go away. So I was diagnosed in, in January of 2015. And the summer before that, I had been exercising and had a cold I thought was a cold and a cough that just wouldn't go away. Went to the doctor um, every couple months for six months and kept telling me it'll get better, it'll get better, and, and it never did. And until January 19th on a Sunday night, I was going to bed and started having a coughing fit and, and coughed up a bunch of blood and luckily called the doctor's office first thing in the morning and got in and um, and was given a chest X-ray and um, proceeded with that from that to a very quick, thankfully, diagnosis in the matter of four days So um, that it was uh, cancer. So I have to say I was lucky to not have it drug out like some people have where they wait weeks to get a diagnosis. Um, I started on Monday morning and had a uh, diagnosis by Thursday night. So. Well, and we should we should say the good news up front is as of today you're cancer free. <laughs> I am. I am uh, six years in remission, which five years is the big the big mark, and I am six years into it. So, yeah, I'm very very thankful. Good. Well, when it comes to um, people who have never smoked who are diagnosed with lung cancer, you talked yeah. about your recurring cough, and the symptoms are the same no matter whether you're mm-hmm. a smoker or not. And that can look like frequent coughing, coughing mm-hmm. up blood, which you did experience, right. um, chest pain, wheezing, yep. um, shortness of breath. Did you experience yes. all these? I did. Um, well, the shortness of breath really came because after when I coughed up blood, that's when my lung collapsed. And so then I was really having trouble breathing. But the pain in my chest, I, I had some of that. And I just thought, one, I was out of shape because I was exercising. And I, I thought I was just really out of shape and having a hard time breathing from that. But um, come to find out it was obviously a lot more than that. So after things progressed, then, you know, the, the shortness of breath happened a lot because that lung wasn't operating properly and things like that. But the smaller signs before that were a little bit of chest pain and this cough. But overall, I felt fine. That's, you know, I really didn't have a lot of um, just that cough that wouldn't go away was the biggest symptom. So, And I'm looking back at the CDC here again um, out of these um, patients who have never smoked, secondhand smoke mm-hmm. is a contributor to many of these. And in addition, um, radon is a, a, a contributor. That's the odorless, tasteless gas that is, I mean, in Iowa, there's like mm-hmm. a risk factor for radon. I think I, a lot of Iowa's in the red <laughs> yeah. as far as that goes. And we have a completely separate podcast on that. Yeah. Um, we'll make sure to, to link. But um, let's get back to your story here. So you mentioned coughing up the blood and, mm-hmm. and you were able to get um, a screening and a diagnosis relatively quickly. Yeah. 
What was your outlook? So I was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer um, because it had metastasized to my lymph nodes, um, my pelvic bone, and my spine. So I had it. it that was another symptom that I, I forgot to mention, actually, was I was having, like, I thought it was a sciatic nerve. And so problem, I was seeing the chiropractor, no correlation that I thought to any of this together until um, they did the CT scan and found that there was, um, it had metastasized um, further along than I had ever imagined. So um, that's what put it into stage four, which the prognosis for recovery from stage four is like 5% or less. So it's, my outlook was very um, bleak, (laughs) to be honest. Um, So I, uh, you know, they immediately went into radiation and started radiation treatment on my on my uh, pelvic bone and um, and then went into chemotherapy uh, for some time till it quit working. And then immunotherapy, which was brand new back then, this was in 2015. So um, immunotherapy was just coming out. Updevo was, was one of them that uh, the drugs that is very popular now and working very successfully with other cancers as well. So I was very lucky to be on that and um, was on that for about eight months. And um, then when that stopped working, went into targeted therapy, which was also brand new at the time. Um, My doctor, uh, Dr. Masri from the Cancer Center here in Waterloo, um, it was in, I can remember it very well, It uh, it was in March of 2016 and said, I just had a, I was at a seminar in Chicago and there's a new drug. It was just FDA approved in December and is seeing great symptoms or signs for lung cancer. And I think we need to try it. And so we did. Um, however, um, that drug uh, gave me a lot of side effects, which I couldn't do. So we tried another drug that worked, seemed to be fine. So in the summer of 2016 was when I first had my first clear cancer diagnosis that it really, that targeted drug is what really killed all the cancer left in my body. Um, but in July, or that was in July, in August of that same year, a month later, I went into liver failure. So um, it was great. The cancer was gone, but this uh, secondary um, uh, issue nearly killed me too. So I have lots of reasons to be thankful to be here today. But um, I'm one of the very few, to be honest, uh, of people who I've talked to and I've mentored other cancer patients um, in my journey that ha- are not on a everyday regimen of a drug to keep it at bay. Um, I don't take anything. I haven't taken anything in six years, and it's not, knock on wood, come back. Um, a lot of people do take a, you know, a, a drug just to keep it at bay. And I'm thankful I don't have to do, I'm not doing that. Um, but I've, you know, fully recovered from that, that, uh, liver failure, which took about a year. So, um, a lot, a lot of, lots happened in that little journey, but I'm very thankful to be here and, and to be <laughs> doing this podcast, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it was, it was a lot, it was a long journey. So that that drug that you were taking was very new at the time. Do you have yes. what what's it like now? Do you know? Um, there's there was only two two of those drugs at the time. It, you have to be tested for gene mutations and things like that in order to be approved for these drugs. So it's a special mock-up in your DNA. Um, so the ones that I took, I think there's two new ones out since I was in treatment. Um, but I think they're along the same drug line. So I don't know if, if that ever came back down 
to it, I don't think I'd be able to take those again. So I, you know, they're always coming out. It's amazing how much has come out even since then. So new, new targeted drugs is really uh, the newest upcoming amazing treatment in cancer. So um, it's, it's great that they're, they're just coming out with new things all the time. So so now you're sharing your story mm-hmm. um, just to kind of let people know what that this happens to every anybody. Everyday people. Yeah, I would never. I was 44, two younger kids, and I would. that was the furthest possible thing from my mind that I would ever, ever have thought would happen to me. So it's, it's, um, it's frustrating to hear when people say, oh, you must have smoked. And I'm like, no. And, you know, not... If you have the one big thing is everybody says if you have lungs you can get lung cancer. It's not um, as smokers. It, I mean, obviously smoking contributes to that. And that's given, but um, you know anybody can get this. Um, and I never thought it would be me either, but um, it happens. So yeah, air pollution is another thing that mm-hmm. when you read about people that haven't smoked that are being diagnosed, air pollution is in there as well. With, yeah. uh, in a, a trio of secondhand smoke and radon, then there's the air pollution. Um, but your main takeaway that you want for people that listen to this, what would Mm -hmm. that be? Don't ignore your symptoms. That is my biggest, um, my biggest thing. You know, I, I did the right thing. I went to the doctor, but I kept going back to the doctor. I kept asking him and there really was no reason for him to think anything like this would have happened. I mean, it's just very uncommon to me, but don't give up. Don't let it go. Always just keep following up. And if you know something's not right, be your own advocate. Like don't, don't let somebody talk you out of it. If you think you need to get another opinion, just to make sure, don't hesitate to do that. Because um, it makes me wonder if, you know, if I had further tests done at the beginning, when it wasn't getting any better, that was the whole six months that this was growing. And and it could have been even longer for all I know. But um, that's when I really started really seeing the symptoms. And my my back pain that I was having, again, was another symptom. Um, And it just wouldn't go away with anything I was trying to do. So if it's something that doesn't get any better, fight for yourself. Keep keep going back and, and demand some answers. I think that's especially important um, just just because, for example, the, the United States Preventive Services Task Force, if you're not a smoker, it's not recommended you get lung, regular right. lung cancer screening. So if you are experiencing these types of, of symptoms that we talked about, mm-hmm. even more important that you need to be your own advocate. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. So we've talked a lot about you know how lung cancer really gets associated with smokers and um, there are other cancers and not certainly not to take anything away from them but like Mm -hmm. for example you know breast cancer Mm -hmm. everything turns pink on tv and everywhere you go there's pink ribbon runs and i don't know if there's a lung cancer run or 5k or anything like Mm. that but um i think that's another job that we're trying to do here today is just bring more attention to these other um, cancers that people do do battle right and i appreciate that because um, you know, every cancer is important. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I'm sure everybody who has been affiliated with any other type of cancer would love more publicity about their specific cancer and more research. And um, But I love the fact that we're shedding some more light on another cancer that doesn't get the publicity because it is very important. And, and unfortunately, with lung cancer, it most of the time gets diagnosed too late. And that's part of the problem, too, is it's it's late in the stages and um, 
the treatment might not be there for all. I, I'm very lucky. I really am, and I know that, And but a lot of other people are not. And um, this cancer has one of the higher death rates as well um, with breast cancer and colon cancer combined. So it's, um, it's very deadly, and I, I just feel the more people who can understand what type of symptoms there are, what to watch for, to really go out there and make sure that you're getting checked and treated um, for that will hopefully save lives and, and down the road. And, you know, it's so important to get more awareness out there and get the funding for more treatment. And I think in in speaking to a few different people that have shared cancer stories throughout this podcast, I think everyone would kind of agree with what you're saying is, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's story, story is important. Sure. And everybody would agree that no matter what cancer it is, mm-hmm. screening is important. Staying on top of it is, is important because right. the, the fight is only easier the earlier you catch it, no matter right. what it is. Um, so, um, right. It's, it's- it's hard. Yeah. It's just the more, the more um, focus that you can get on it though, hopefully the more um, knowledge people have and can catch it early and longer they'll live too. Sure. So, so um, you actually are a Mercy One colleague. You're, mm-hmm. you're my office neighbor. I and am. <laughs> so, so I wanted to ask you because of this journey and your work with the cancer center and mm-hmm. things, did that lead you to a career in healthcare? Cause you're here today. I am. And it actually, I wasn't looking for a career per se, because actually when I came here, um, I was not ready to go back to work, um, but I needed something to do because I was I was tired of being at home, so I looked to volunteer. Um, so I came here and decided I wanted to first actually start volunteering at the cancer center. I wanted to give back to the cancer center. Um, but when I started doing that, I found it was just a little too much for me. So um, I worked with the volunteer manager here at the time and moved to a different position within the hospital. And so I stayed up there for a while, did surgical waiting and uh, as a volunteer um, for about a year. And became uh, good friends with the volunteer manager and there was a position that opened up here and she encouraged me to apply and and then I became an employee. I started part-time and then kind of went to full-time uh, as the coordinator and, and now four years later um, uh, here I am the volunteer manager. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah well so let's put on that recruitment hat here for yeah, a second. Absolutely. I, I think we really need to talk just a little bit about the important role that volunteers play at hospitals. There are hundreds. Yes. Um, depending on you know what facility you're at but um, right. here What's the number here? Um, well, right now it's really dropped because of, as a, uh, because of COVID. So um, we are down to about 250, um, which we were up over 600 prior to COVID. So we lost quite a few volunteers, but which is understandable. Um, but it, they are so important here. We have them in so many different departments. Um, they assist, they help with patient advocacy, which helps patients by just helping them get a you know, glass of cold water, a warm blanket, just talking to them, asking how their day was, if there's anything they could do for them. Um, to surgical waiting um, volunteers that help the patient's families that, while they're waiting for their loved ones to come out of surgery. Um, it could be information desk, gift shop. There's just various different types of positions throughout the hospital. And without them, it just adds more workload to the staff. Um, not that we're taking away from their jobs, but it's just helping them to um, focus on other things that they need to focus on. So we love our volunteers. We need more volunteers and would love to have anyone come in here and, and help. There's lots of very various different positions they could look at. Um, I've met quite a few of our volunteers that we have here, and I know that when we 
think about the people that are recruited, it's often people who have retired and they mm-hmm. just need something to help fill out their week. But right. I mean, I think you've got a very good story to share. You're not anywhere close to retiring, I don't think. No, anyway. <laughs> no. <laughs> but so, so what are the, I mean, really, there's a lot of, there's a big age range of people that Absolutely. could volunteer if they're interested. Yeah, we have high school students. We work with um, all the local high schools and bring students in um, that come in and volunteer. We've got UNI students, Wartburg College, lots of college students, especially who are interested in going into the medical field. Um, it's a great opportunity for them to get a really good look at inside the hospital. Um, and then any anybody um, who's they may not work and just want some extra time, and then especially volunteers um, who are retired uh, that that definitely just need something to do. So lots of various age groups. And we're recording this at Mercy One Waterloo Medical Center, but that would be true of any of our hospitals across the entire Mercy One organization, always looking for volunteers, opportunities all across the hospital, no matter Mm -hmm. if you're high school or retired or just need something while you can't work. Right. And we're, you know, so flexible to you that you could volunteer as much or as little as you want to. We have a, we also accommodate with schedules with snowbirds that go away for the winter, um, college students that just come home for winter breaks and summer breaks. So, uh, you know, we're really flexible as far as working with everyone to, to fit their schedule. So, well, no matter where you live, if you're, if that's something that you're interested to do, volunteer volunteering, um, mm-hmm. whether it be just to, to get, have something to do or whether you are somebody who's interested in the in a career in the medical field. Um, if you head to our website and just do a search for the word volunteer, I'm sure opportunities will pop up no matter where you live Absolutely. across our state. So. Yep. Julie, it's been great to have you on the Thank podcast you. and just want to say thanks for sharing your story. Well, um, I appreciate you asking me to do it. It really means a lot to me to get the word out about lung cancer. And so I really appreciate you asking me to do this. Absolutely. Is there anything else that we should touch on before we wrap it up? I don't think so. All right. Well, sounds good. Thanks a lot for joining us today. And um, we'll make sure if you have any feedback about this um, episode or an experience you'd like to share, um, go to our website, mercyone.org slash podcast. There's a form you can fill out and enter your comments there. Um, you can also send us an email at podcast at mercyhealth.com. Julie, once again, thanks. Thank you. Thank you.